All right, we're live. Another episode of Monero Talk. Uh, this is our third one this week. Normally, we're only doing one episode a week, but uh, we uh, we didn't want to pass up on this opportunity to uh, have a conversation with Manfred of BISC. Um, I've been seeing him on YouTube quite often now these days. I think uh, things are starting to ramp up over there. And uh, I think this is a great time to have you on and to talk about BISC and to talk about how uh, it seems to be very much in line uh, with the ideals of the Monero community. And uh, I hope it will become uh, a utility that we could all start to rely on. Um, so if you want to quickly, maybe just just really short introduction of yourself, and then we'll get into what BISC is. And then it'd be great if we could just kind of do a quick demo of how to use it. Uh, and then afterwards, we could go into some more details uh, background questions. So if anybody's Googling this video in the future, they'll be able to use it as a resource to kind of quickly learn about BISC and figure out how to use it. Yes, thanks a lot for the invitation. Happy to be here. Uh, and as you said, yeah, there's a lot of overlap between the Monero community and what BISC is standing for and, and the reason why BISC is built. So in short, BISC is a decentralized uh, cryptocurrency exchange. Uh, at the moment, there's always Bitcoin on one side and either on the other side is fiat, or any fiat currency in the world, basically, <clears throat> or uh, the altcoins, which is supported on BISC, which is at the moment a quite high number, and of course, Monero as well. Wait, hold on. Uh, Monero. Sorry? If you hold on one second, I'm getting a feedback over here. Hold on one second. I have the headset from my side. I think it should be okay. Okay. You there? Yeah. Sorry about uh, that. Go ahead. No, no problem. And luckily, also the Monero volume has uh, picked up quite a lot uh, recently. It was always a very strong uh, trading pair on BISC, but the last month it's basically done by far the number one. As more than 90% of the volume is. Uh, is done by Monero traders, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I mean the special thing about BISC that it's we take decentralization as far as possible in this model. So it's a desktop application; you have to download it. It runs over Tor, Tor Hidden Services. That's the main reason why it's not in the web. In the web, you cannot get this. Uh, form of decentralization and privacy. And it's really a network. It's not, BISC is not a company. We are not holding your funds or your wallet keys or whatever. You have your local wallet in the application. You are interacting directly with the other peer and doing the exchange directly with the other peer. And the escrow where the money gets locked in during the trade for security reason is a Bitcoin two or three multi-sig address. So there's no uh, escrow, also not the company's escrow like with local bitcoins, uh, but the blockchain at the end. Right. So from these, from the standpoint of the customer, uh, the advantage is being so. This is a decentralized exchange, a true decentralized exchange, as compared to some of these other things calling themselves uh, decentralized exchanges. In that, it's truly peer to peer. Uh, you guys don't hold any of the funds, and you're. Pretty much is matching up buyers with sellers and allowing them to transact directly. Is that yeah, correct? exactly? It's a it's a peer to peer network uh, which carries the offer book, so everybody can create an offer, and then all the others, the other users, will see this offer and can take this offer. 
Uh, at the moment, everything is a manual process, but we are working on APIs, so it will be in future possible to do uh, more automated trades, especially with altcoins. Uh, and it's a little bit different like classical centralized exchanges like Kraken or Coinbase. Uh, it, yeah, it has some costs on convenience and speed, but it has a lot of benefits. The main benefit from usability is also that you don't have to sign up. You just download the application and use it. More or less like Bitcoin, you don't need to sign up to use Bitcoin. You just run it. <laughs> you can run it even from Swiss code. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, and, and it's, uh, it's censorship resistant. So in, in countries where Bitcoin becomes more under pressure, like recently in India or so, that cannot be applied on BISC because yeah, it's decentralized and there is no company which can get under pressure. So is it fair to say, if if not today, but hopefully it soon will be kind of the best solution for purchasing Monero anonymously and safely over the internet? Is that kind of yeah. the, need, the need that it's filling? Yeah, I think it's probably already at the moment, in my opinion, the best way to get Monero anonymously and really in a privacy protecting way, because many other <clears throat> exchanges like Shapeshifter have been uh, KYC'd already, and with many others, it's a security problem. Yeah, you you have your money at the exchange, and you're not owning your your money at the end. And uh, just today, or so, there was something on Reddit where some some guy got locked in on Polynex since seven months, uh, his money, and yeah, and they treat him like shit. And uh, in biscuits, it follows the philosophy. I mean, it's a question why people are using cryptocurrencies, and especially Bitcoin or Monero, which have a very strong cypherpunk root in their community. I mean, when you're not caring about this, well, it's about censorship resistance, security, privacy, then yeah, you're always better off with PayPal or the existing banking system. Probably don't need to worry anyway about this. And when you use this, then go the full way and not do half-baked stuff, in my opinion. So my, I, yeah, I, at least I don't know at the moment another project which has the same level of privacy protection and decentralization as BISC. And with Monero, I mean, the main problem in other currencies is still that there is not so much volume and or liquidity. Luckily, with Monero, it's really high uh, liquidity now, <clears throat> so you get pretty good prices on BISC as well. And also with other fiat currencies like Euro and Dollar, it's already pretty good liquidity so basically you can trade quite quickly with a pretty good market price yeah i mean from what i'm seeing i think i think the use uh the adoption is is inevitable because it's it's really going to fulfill this need uh it seems to be a a tool that um it like we were saying is really in line with the you know crypto uh anarchist or you know values right and that it's it's truly decentralized um but I guess the the one thing is, and this is like Monero itself, is that it's not the most user friendly, and not even that. I, I'm sure you know it's designed well, but just the fact that you have to download an application, which uh, a lot of people aren't really used to doing. I mean, obviously anybody that's hardcore into crypto is downloading the clients, but for the most part, even most people that have you know now the masses that are getting involved in crypto most people that are using crypto are really just using apps you know even mostly on their phone uh just wallets that are hold that are holding the funds and then using centralized exchanges like coinbases or poloniex to to do their exchanging um so there is a leap there uh even myself i'm not big into 
uh, downloading applications. I've really become like accustomed to to relying on my phone completely. I've managed to make that work with Monero with the help of some friends in the early days before the apps existed, which is actually one of the reasons why I was so excited when Cake came along. Cake is the is is was the first open source iOS wallet uh, for Monero, and in my opinion, and for me personally, that made Monero extremely user friendly, so I could ha- be able to access Monero, use it on my own. But I would, I would love to be able to use something like Bisc. But there is this little bit of hesitation with downloading the application, uh, running it, and figuring out how to use it. I'm sure it's really easy. So, but that's how. That's why I would love to kind of jump into that now. And if you could just kind of hold our hand, walk us through it a little bit, just show us how it works. And then hopefully people that want to try it out will be able to watch this video and learn how to do that. Yeah, I think it's probably the easiest to just show it that it's really not so difficult. <clears throat> of course, it has a little bit of more uh, costs, uh, like just clicking on a web page and uh, the Coinbase experience. I mean, the big downsides with all those services that you have to go through all the KYC registration process, which can be very painful, especially when you're not living completely the standard way and maybe don't have utility bill from electricity because you have a solar panel on your roof or whatever, and then they are not accepting all kind of uh, utility bills. Or so. And uh, yeah, and we, of course, we are also working on improvements in this direction as a mobile application. There is some work going on. And it's just, yeah, you it's like with Bitcoin and Bitcoin Core, when you want to get really their full security and the full privacy, yeah, you have to use Bitcoin Core. Otherwise, you make compromises, which is okay. And for some people, you just have to know what are uh, the, the downsides. And and as I said, yeah, we, we are not ignoring uh, this user group. And of course, uh, it's legitimate. Uh, and, and many people are preferring convenience. Or it just takes a little bit uh, of effort to get there. But as I said, it's really not difficult like the way it is now. Maybe we can start with the screen sharing. Yeah, let's give it a go. Uh, I have prepared, yeah, I think it's visible already. Do you see my screen? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have here, uh, I just show quickly the setup and then explain a little bit how we do now this uh, demo. Uh, trade. <clears throat> I have here a local development setup which runs Bitcoin Core in a development environment where you can create your own Bitcoin co- uh, coins by just over the co- command line here. Which, when I write here in the command line generate one, I'm creating a new block. And with that, we don't have to wait for the next block confirmation during the trade. So it's much easier and faster for doing uh, yeah, such ex- uh, presentations and also for developing. And yeah, and here I have a two. Uh, yeah, for the user to be able to see how it looks on both sides, I have here two applications. One is uh, the Bitcoin buyer and the other is the Bitcoin seller. Okay. In reality, of course, you only have uh, one application and you don't see really the perspective of the, of the other user. Only when you are one time buying and one time selling, you get experience from both sides. But to make it a little bit more transparent for the user, I, I use here uh, both. <clears throat> And yeah, the first thing is when you when you download the application and install it, it's a simple installer, just double click and it does everything by itself. You don't need to set up anything with Tor that's, awesome, that's uh, configured uh, by the application and uh, run. Can you just enlar- enlarge that screen, enlarge the two, because uh, it's showing um, me. 
Uh, one second. Just maximize the. Uh... Yeah. Maybe I know when I switch to this. Yeah, maybe we view one at a time. Just open one full screen. Yeah. It doesn't help so much because it doesn't scale up uh, all the content. Do you uh, see okay. it a little bit better now? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mean, here that uh, it's uh, it's empty because uh, I just started a new application without offers, so we have to create first an offer. Usually, you would see already here the existing offers uh, offer book, and when you want to create a, an offer or take an offer, you first need to set up an account. So, for an altcoin, you go to account and here to altcoin account, and then you add your preferred currency like Monero, for instance. And I think I have still a Monero address here. So I use, that's just a random address I found in the internet. And uh, you use your Monero address from your Monero wallet, whatever. I mean, actually, you have to use a Monero wallet, which is supporting uh, the transaction keys. Because uh, with Monero, unlike with other altcoins, the arbitrator, in case of a dispute, cannot prove the transaction because you don't see anything on the blockchain, basically. Uh, and in that case, the Monero sender need to be able to prove that he has sent the Monero, and for that he need to use uh, the, yeah, for instance, Monero GUI wallet. And yeah, I'm saving this. I get here this information, uh, what I just explained, that you need to be able, when there is some problem with the transaction or with the trade, and the arbitrator uh, will ask you that you are proving that you have sent the Monero, then you need to provide the arbitrator that uh, transaction private key, the transaction hash, and the recipient's public key. And with this data, the arbitrator can verify in the Monero application that this uh, transaction was done. But that's special for Monero for other altcoins. That's not required because without altcoins, everybody can see it on the on the block explorer. Okay, so just just to clarify, because I can't really see it too well. So what did you what did you enter in there? You entered in the Monero. Yeah, Monero uh, so, public sorry. address. I'm sorry. I will do it again. Okay, yeah, it's just a Monero public uh, address where okay. you can receive uh, Monero, and uh, you uh, that's your address what you're using for trading in BISC. Gotcha. And yeah, and uh, on the other side, on let's call him Bob, the Bitcoin uh, seller, uh, he he has already set up a Monero uh, address. So I did it before. And now make, uh, let's say Alice want to buy her Bitcoin. So she want to sell Monero. Also Alice in this uh, case, she has already Monero and want to uh, uh, change it to Bitcoin. So mm -hmm. she's creating an, an offer for instance for uh, one Bitcoin. And he, he, she can uh, define the price, it can be either percentage uh, depending on the market price. So when she said, okay, I want to get it 1%, then she has basically a gain of 1% over the current market price. And when the market price is changing over time, the price is always uh, going with the market price. So she don't have to take too much care about volatility. When she wants to control more, then she has a fixed price and, yeah, and can change it later as well. So let's stick maybe with the market price. Uh, then yeah, that's just for the next bigger release with the DAO, or you can ignore this, what you just see at the moment. Okay. Uh, here you get some background information, or uh, just explain it quickly. Also, yeah, it just tells you 
uh, that you have both traders have to put in a security deposit that's a part of their trade protocol in BISC and of the security model uh, that ensures that both traders are really following the trade protocol because it's a yeah the human is a part of the trade protocol which is mainly required for fiat well when it would be possible to automate more things but uh, yeah to to be sure that the humans are really following their their role and not uh, yeah, stopping uh, the protocol at some point. They have to put in a security deposit, both sides, the buyer and the seller. And in case when they would not follow the trade protocol, like when the Bitcoin buyer, when he would just not send them the Monero at some point, uh, then he would risk to lose the security deposit when it ends up in a dispute uh, with the arbitrator. Then there is a small trading fee that's here uh, 0.2% of the trade amount. And there is a Bitcoin mining fee. And I have here already some uh, Bitcoin in my wallet. <clears throat> I funded it before with uh, 10 Rectest Bitcoin. <clears throat> and uh, when I have Bitcoin already in my BISC wallet, uh, BISC comes with a full-fledged uh, wallet. Uh, then he can use this. Otherwise, he can find it, uh, this trade uh, from an external wallet. So let's use the internal wallet. Uh, yeah, I got the information that it's funded. Then you can review again uh, the offer. So all the details are here explained, the price, the amount, uh, the amount of uh, Monero, uh, what she has to spend when somebody takes the offer. And yeah. <clears throat> And by that, we will see it now on this side. Oh, one second. Yeah. Uh, when, uh, when Alice is now publishing the offer, it goes to the peer-to-peer -peer network and get broadcasted in, in the whole peer-to-peer -peer network. And everybody, every BISC node will receive this offer and can view it then. So Bob, uh, he wants to uh, sell some Bitcoin and want to buy Monero. <clears throat> so he can see the offer and can take another offer. Mm -hmm. So let's go in this. So ignore again this screen with the fees. Uh, here again, we see this in information. This uh, pop-ups can, yeah, they always have this checkbox, uh, which don't show again. So it's basically for first-time users to get a little bit more background information and to understand everything. And yeah, uh, he sees now here the price and the amount of Monero what he would uh, receive when he sell uh, the Bitcoin. He, I also spent uh, earlier already some Bitcoin to his wallet. So he has funded uh, his Bitcoin already in BISC. And again, by uh, taking the offer, they start now the trade. And the important thing here is that uh, the maker need to be online because there is no server here. So the server for the offer is Alice herself. She is, uh, when Bob is taking the offer, both are together signing a transaction and uh, are creating together this multi-sig transaction where they put in their security deposit and on Bob's side, uh, the Bitcoin, what he's selling. <clears throat> and these uh, funds get locked in in a two of three multi-sig where both traders are a key holder and the arbitrator is the third key holder. And uh, <clears throat> to create together this transaction, both users need to be online. So only the application need to be online. Uh, Alice can sleep, but the application need to have network connection. Otherwise, Bob cannot take her offer. Mm -hmm. So by clicking confirm, uh, the offer will now get executed. So we will see it here. It will get removed immediately. 
out of this gun and both will see it in their portfolio screen under open offers and because we don't have a bitcoin confirmation yet uh, alice has to wait before doing their monero uh, sending or the fiat sending uh, she has to wait at least one uh, blockchain confirmation to avoid double spend uh, risks so usually yeah you have to wait depending uh, on the speed of the um, on the yeah, uh, how long the miners take so right right Which, that, in that point the the bitcoin is being sent from one guy's bisc wallet to the other person's bisc wallet uh, no it's uh, locked in this multisig also both have created this two of three multisig deposit transaction and there are one bitcoin from bob and the security deposit was both are paying that around um, yeah, 0 0.2 uh, uh, Bitcoin or whatever. It's a quite small amount. Uh, all this money together is locked in in this multisig uh, deposit address. Mm -hmm. And nobody can spend this uh, funds alone. They have to cooperate to a payout at the end of the trade. Alice will receive uh, the Bitcoin and both get back the security deposit. And they will only do this co-signing of the payout transaction when Bob has received the Monero. So when Bob at the end will confirm, we will see this in a minute then, mm -hmm. then they are creating together this payout transaction. So that's very important at the core of the protocol, the escrow where now the money is locked in, like in a notary. Suppose like when you buy a house, yeah, they have to put their uh, the money in at the notary and the other some sign some contract and the notary is the trusted third party and only after everything is completed, uh, the money moves to the uh, to the seller. Mm -hmm. And here, uh, it's the blockchain. We are using uh, the multisig uh, feature in Bitcoin as this uh, technical solution for an escrow. And we don't want to wait 10 minutes here. Uh, that's why we're using this rec test uh, development mode. So I can create a new block by command line. I just created it. so. When this uh, next block was created, uh, Alice got a pop-up with the instruction that she has now to transfer uh, the 61 Monero to the Bitcoin seller. Mm -hmm. She will see here again the address uh, of the other of the other guy. Uh, that's uh, Bob's address, and that's the amount. And now the sending of Monero, or in case when it's a fiat trade, it's basically the same process in fiat. It would be just here US dollar is out of system of BISC. So you have to go to your Monero wallet and uh, make the transfer to this address with this amount and when you have done this you just confirm it here by clicking this button with fiat it, yeah you go to your online banking web page or uh, send the money to the other uh, to the bank account of the other peer and when you have done this you are confirming it here mm -hmm. so yeah let's assume she has opened her monero wallet has sent the money and now clicks okay she just yeah, confirms again. And now Bob's just received this message that Alice has paid. And with altcoins, it's usually very fast, depends a little bit on the on the uh, confirmation time. But usually, at least uh, you should see that uh, the transaction is in the network. And as soon as uh, Bob has uh, seen that this transaction is confirmed, that he can be sure that this yeah, cannot be reversed or double spent, uh, then he can confirm the receipt as well 
with fear it would be that he looks up at his bank account and when he sees that the money is, has arrived on his bank account he will confirm the payment and when he clicks now this button then uh, both applications are signing together the payer transaction in this and it's important part that uh, when the trade has started uh, there is no requirement anymore that both peers need to be online at the same time. It's only for the take offer because at the take offer, uh, yeah, it would take just too long when you, we would uh, work with asynchronous messages that you have to wait then until Alice goes online and then she sent back and maybe Bob is not online. So that would be just infeasible. But during the trade protocol, when Alice is not online, the messages will be stored in the network. And when she goes online again, she receives these messages and then can process the messages and can go on. Mm -hmm. She just has to be online sometime because every trade has a maximum uh, trade period. For altcoin, it's one day. So in between one day, you have to check, uh, like in Bob's site, to check if uh, Alice has sent the Monero and when uh, she has sent it to check on his Monero wallet if he has received it and then click the confirm button. Um, yeah, now I click this button. Again, there is a confirmation to be sure that because with this, with this button click now, the Bitcoin get unlocked and because it's irreversible, when you make a mistake and click uh, and have not really checked that he has received the money and then later find out that Alice never sent the money, then yeah, he has bad luck because the Bitcoin has been paid out to Alice. Mm -hmm. And with that button click now, Alice has received now the one Bitcoin from Bob. She has paid 31 Monero. She has got refunded her 0 0.01 Bitcoin. That was 1% of the trade amount. And he, here she see how much she has paid on trading fee. That was 0.2% uh, mm -hmm. and the mining fee. And she can just move it to her local wallet. It's already on her. Uh, it's just, yeah, she could do it. Yeah, that's from usability, not very good at the end. Uh, she could choose to send it directly to an external wallet here or move it just to her internal wallet, and that's it. And on Bob's side, it's similar. Uh, yeah, he has sold one Bitcoin, he has received 31 Monero. Uh, he had a smaller security deposit and the trade fee and the total mining fee. Okay. So how much security deposit do you have to put up? Uh, the security deposit is higher for the Bitcoin buyer because the Bitcoin buyer could choose when, and we had sometimes this case when there was very high volatility, like in December when Bitcoin price was skyrocketing in two days or so it was uh, going up a lot. And then for the Bitcoin buyer, when he took a, a trade when he started a trade with uh, the price of uh, let's say at the moment six thousand five hundred dollar and then the next day the price has changed to or well, it was crashing down and has changed to five thousand dollar then for the bitcoin buy it would be economically uh, 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 rational to say okay i prefer to lose my security deposit i will not continue the trade i let it go to arbitration and i'm willing to uh, to lose the security deposit but I start a new trade with $5,000 and I get cheaper to Bitcoin. So there, uh, yeah, with high volatility there at some point, it's economically rational for the Bitcoin buyer to uh, cancel out the trade. So basically there's no way to cancel a trade. When you start the trade, uh, yeah, you have to follow the trade. And when the trade is not completed, when for instance, 
the Bitcoin buyer is not starting their Monero or Fiat transfer, then after the tra uh, timeout of the trade period, after one day in that case, uh, the other peer, Bob, can open up a dispute. And with that, he contact the arbitrator. The arbitrator will investigate. He getting in touch with both traders. There is a chat built in uh, the system. So you, it's similar like, like WhatsApp, uh, but it's yeah, directly in the application. And he, uh, both can communicate with the arbitrator. The arbitrator tries to find out what was going wrong. And depending on the situation, in this case, uh, when Alice would not have paid the Monero because maybe because of the volatility, it was more opportune for her to not continue the trade. Then it's very clear for the arbitrator that she violated the trade protocol. She will lose her security deposit and Bob will receive the security deposit. And to be more flexible with, because the security deposit depends a lot on the currency. Some currencies are very stable, other very volatile, and it depends on the time. There are like last December with Bitcoin, uh, yeah, it was super volatile, it was going up like crazy. In such time, it's uh, probably better to use a higher security deposit. And the offer maker, so when you're creating an offer, you can define uh, what should be the security deposit. That is this field here. Mm -hmm. So when you create an offer, you can set the security deposit higher. Uh, yeah, I think the maximum is 0 0.5 Bitcoin, which is already quite a lot of money. So, uh, yeah. It does not eliminate this uh, future trade problem that basically with high, yeah, when the price is changing a lot very quickly, that uh, the buyer could uh, have the opt has the option to uh, yeah, to cancel out of the trade. But it's also kind of like a limitation of the maximum damage because for the buyer it would be also bad when you take an offer and then one hour later the price has crashed. It's a kind of like a maximum. Uh, yeah, protection or insurance that you cannot, uh, when the volatility is very high, you have basically the option to to cancel out. Okay. And um, so what's what happens if somebody doesn't send? What's the, what's the process then? If one yeah. person sends, the other person doesn't send? Yeah. If you like, I can show you it as well. Let's make another trade. I just make very quickly a trade again. <clears throat> and I show them the dispute case. So Bob is taking this offer from Alice again. Now both are in the <coughs> in the trade protocol, as in in the in this pending trade view. And at any point, it could be at the very beginning, but usually it's it's later or when the uh, when the trade period has timed out, then they will get displayed a red button with uh, which uh, states open dispute. But at any time, they can open a dispute as well. For instance, when yeah, there are some problems when <clears throat> you try to send the money with your bank, but you encounter that or your bank make you some troubles and you have reached your monthly limit of trans uh, of transactions and you cannot send it or whatever, and then it's better to not let wait the other user for more days because with bank <clears throat> with bank payments we have longer trade periods depending on the payment method. Uh, so anybody could open a. a could open a, a dispute at any time. I just opened the arbitrator application as well. So here's my local application setup. <clears throat> now we have three applications and this one is the arbitrator. So when 
yeah, when Alice, for instance, she encounters some problem, maybe she ran out of Monero for whatever, or she lost her wallet uh, and she cannot send the money. <clears throat> so she can open a, a, a support ticket, it's called in this case. Dispute is only ca uh, called uh, when the trade period has ended and yeah, one, one of the persons has not completed the trade like it should be. Uh, then it's clearly a dispute. In this case, it's usually some technical problems or some banking problems. So we call it support. And yeah, now also in the support section, uh, here just uh, some background information. And the arbitrator will also see here uh, both cases. So uh, one side is Alice and the other side is Bob and he can start to communicate. So he see here uh, that um, Alice was opening the dispute, so he can ask her what is the problem. And this uh, communication is all encrypted and over Tor and uh, signed. So it's um, basically similar like, like Signal or some other uh, secure messaging system and they can communicate, they can find out what was going wrong. And uh, depending on the situation after a while, like that's uh, simulated here that Alice just had problem. Sorry, I lost my wallet, please. I cannot uh, make the transfer. Yeah, then it depends on the arbitrator how, basically she violated uh, her duties because she should be sure to not have lost the wallet when she makes uh, the offer. But depending on the situation, sometimes the arbitrator is more tolerant and say, yeah, that was an honest mistake. She she was not, she didn't have bad intention. And then he can, uh, yeah, when he knows her, uh, what should be the outcome, he can close the ticket. And here he can define if there, who should get uh, the payout. Also the usual case, like in this case, when Alice uh, was not sending the fiat and the seller got back the money. So he, and both get back their security deposit, but he also could define that to make a custom payout to say, okay, uh, the buyer has violated uh, the duties. So let's give a little bit from the security deposit to the seller. And then let's give her back only 0.4 and here 0.1, also 0 0.01 Bitcoin. Uh, the other peer gets is kind of like reimbursement, and then he yeah, hmm. makes some summary notes. Okay, and the, arb the, the arbitrator's making those decisions of. Yeah, so there are uh, the arbitrators at the moment, the most uh, critical or the most uh, problematic element in BISC. It's still not completely decentralized. We had uh, some ideas and just recently found a very interesting idea for a new trade protocol where we don't have arbitrators at all anymore, but that's a little bit too early to talk more about this. Uh, but basically at the moment, the arbitrators are trusted roles in a way because of course the arbitrator could collude with one of the peers and could be dishonest. Mm -hmm. But to avoid this, uh, the arbitrators are at the moment only high trusted persons, basically co-founders of the project. So they have, uh, beside of personal trust, they have all incentive to not uh, hurt the project by scamming a, a user and making a few bucks and by yeah by creating a lot of damage for the project what they have worked on for a long time mm. so with that uh, it's secure but it's not completely decentralized and uh, trustless and censorship resistant so we are aware that this is a weak point where which need to get fixed and yeah we're working on this 
And for the users, it's basically not a real problem because when there is when there is any issue, they can trust that there is an honest party who will resolve the case. And and there are basically nearly no real disputes where one peer said I've sent the money and the other no, I've not received it, and and one tried to scam the other. So real scam attempts. We had super. We have very very few, maybe five or ten in, in total over two or more than two years, and. Mm -hmm. And, and often it's also not clear. Sometimes it looked a little bit like in this case, yeah, Alice could say she has lost her wallet, but it could be that it, she just changed her mind and maybe yeah, because the price has changed. So it's often not 100% clear what, what's the truth. Mm -hmm. But to have real clear scams, are, I mean, the, the scammer cannot gain anything because when there is not, and that's especially with fiat, with altcoins, it basically always can look up the altcoin uh, block explorer or with Monero then the Monero sender need to prove the the payment so it's it basically there's no room for scammers with fiat it's theoretically a little bit more room but we are using a very cool um, tool which is called page signer or TLS notary and uh, with that you get a cryptographic proof of any web page which is running over HTTPS and we use this uh, so when there would be a dispute that the buyer has said, yeah, he has sent the fiat, and the seller said, no, he has not received the fiat, and the arbitrator will request from both a page signed document from uh, their banking, uh, yeah, from the transaction history. So uh, Alice has to go to her banking web page, go to the history where, where the transaction is visible, and then use this tool, which is a Firefox plugin, and <coughs> create this cryptographic screenshot in a way. So technically it's just uh, data. It's a little bit complicated to explain, but it's uh, really a cryptographic proof that this web page is not tampered, that this is um, the same content like the bank has sent to her. And she sent this to the arbitrator. The arbitrator can view then this particular uh, page, not nothing else. So it's no security risk that the arbitrator could log into her banking web page. Uh, he only can see that, yeah, uh, there is this uh, outgoing payment from Alice Banks, and when Bob cannot prove this, yeah, then he can already make the decision to Alice's side. When Bob can would be able to prove the same, yeah, then it's a problem between the banks. But with this in place, we, yeah, the scammers don't even try it because they know uh, when the other peer can prove this with page signer, they already lose, and then they lose their security deposit, and scammers prefer to not risk and lose money. So that's the reason why we have basically zero scams. The only real risk is chargeback uh, scams, and there have been uh, two with um, with fiat payments uh, with Cell uh, in America. There have been a few more with uh, Cash App and Venmo, but then we removed these payment methods because they are basically as insecure as PayPal. You just call their customer support that they should make the chargeback, and they do it. Uh, that was a little bit uh, too not could investigate it before we added this payment methods and we removed it immediately after the scams but beside this as on all the payment payment methods what we have since the beginning or since long time there have only been two chargebacks with relative small amounts with something like three hundred dollar so it's because with banks also it's not so easy to make a chargeback and you cannot repeat it easily when you make every week a chargeback with your bank you get troubles with your bank as well so how how many trades are you seeing a day 
Uh, at the moment, with with this Monero spikes, I think a few days ago it was more than 100 a day. That was, I think, our best day ever, mm -hmm. and something like 60 Bitcoin a, a day. But uh, I mean, in average, I think the last month was around 1,000 or 1,500 trades a month, and it's growing quite a lot since uh, since you know how two, many three months. Unique. Do you have an idea of how many unique downloads you have? Unique users or uh, we see it in our download statistics are, are from the application. One second, I can show you. In BISC, everything is, I uh, know oh I don't have it quickly here. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I can post it then afterwards. And it, it's usually around uh, 10,000 downloads of the application. And we have usually quite uh, often new releases. So every one or two months, there is a new release. And we see that uh, basically with every release, we get more or less the same numbers or it's growing. So those are probably the really the, the continue uh, the users who are regularly using BISC. And so roughly, I think 10,000 users, probably more or less the, the active user base. And offers at the moment are probably 200 offers. And yeah, a lot of uh, offers on Monero. I guess something like 50 or 60 offers. So as Monero, the offer book is now really well uh, filled. So when you want to trade Monero with Bitcoin, you will get the price. And the price, the spread between the best buy and the best sell off is usually around 1% or so. So I think that's pretty, uh, pretty good price. <clears throat> There's probably some good arbitrage opportunity because we are, uh, yeah, we're using. Uh, market price providers for fiat and for altcoins for altcoins it's Poloniex. so the price what you see here for instance on yeah that's uh that comes from Poloniex, and it can be that the Poloniex price is a little bit too high or too low in relation to other exchanges and then uh the bisque prices are moving a little bit with the Poloniex price because many people are using this feature with the percentage based price and arbitrators can when they find out okay or at the end you can buy some uh, monero on BISC and then sell it with a profit on another exchange because of some arbitrage differences so there's probably some, some good, good opportunities did uh so what was this recent spike in monero usage from do you think it was because of the shapeshift thing or i think it's a natural development and network effects <clears throat> and for sure shapeshift has helped <clears throat> i mean monero was very strong from the beginning it was always mm -hmm. our number one altcoin and i mean <clears throat> in general the focus of bisc and the reason why we started the project is for fiat because i think that's the really the most important missing element that uh, the bitcoin ecosystem is missing a decentralized gateway where you can get in out in and out of fiat are in a same with yeah in a model which follows the same philosophy as bitcoin right with, that's something you guys are potentially working on with the monero community yeah and yeah with monero of course there's a lot of overlap with all this cypherpunk or mentalities and privacy protection concerns and so uh, but of course with altcoins uh, at some point we will get more in direction of automated like atomic swaps and such stuff i mean it's still not really there and the projects which are offering are usually not uh, decentralized or not really decentralized when you look closer. Mm -hmm. The fiat, it, fiat to Monero, how far off do you think that is? <laughs> uh, we just had a discussion yesterday. 
uh, with two Monero community members. And there, in summary, the situation is like that. Also, there is quite a lot of requests from Monero supporters uh, that we should work on adding Monero as a base currency. And mm -hmm. because Monero is supporting now multisig, it should be technically possible. The, the main problem is it just is a lot of effort. I assume it's something like half a year for a very experienced developer. Oh, wow. And so it's not a small thing. And uh, we have a few interesting uh, plans, uh, which for yeah, mid in, in this time scope as well, also for the next year, we want to get rid of this current trade protocol, which is based on multi-signature, uh, and want to introduce an off-chain trade protocol, which is a little bit probably too far away from this conversation to explain in detail, but it's related to our BISC DAO. So we are, uh, yes, yeah, as I said, BISC is an open source project, and we are at the moment are in the process of launching the decentralized autonomous organization, which comes with their own token called BSQ, which is a color coin on Bitcoin. Yeah, let's, let's go get into that in a little bit. But if so, if somebody were to, to try this out for the first time and they, you know, it, it's, it's not as simple uh, as a centralized exchange for all the reasons we were talking about. Um, if they were running into issues or, you know, needed some handholding, what would be the best method for them? I mean, is that something, what are people doing as they're trying to use this and figure it out? Does everybody essentially just figure it out? Are you getting, are you, uh, is there a lot of kind of customer support that's happening through forums or how are people uh, going about this? Yeah, so there's the BISC forum and the Slack, and also on GitHub. And I mean, the main platform is the Slack for such uh, customer support. And uh, there are always uh, some people hanging out there who help very quickly. And actually, we got very positive response that our support is much better like professional support at many exchanges. And I think it's also much faster. I myself experienced from the past when I use centralized exchanges and you wait then one or two weeks just to get the first answer, basically. And in BISC, it's usually resolved in, in, in one or two days. And the first answer is usually on the same day. The arbitrators, of course, are your first. So when you have any problem in the trade process uh, you can open such a support ticket and then it goes to the arbitrate and the arbitrate is basically a specialist who can help you with mm -hmm. with everything so there was zero cases where people has lost money and uh, where things has not been resolved or where people have really uh, been disappointed and has left BISC um, yeah so what would be your advice to somebody that's just getting it wants to try for the first time like uh, what what should they do should they just jump into it download download the application and just try out a little trade try out a, a small trade yeah I think and, if it's, and if they're having some issues just go to the forums or do a, a exactly yeah. I think it's really I mean I got the feedback from many even completely non-technical persons and some were really completely new to Bitcoin and they tried BISC as the very first application on Bitcoin and they were surprised how simple it was hmm. of course it depends always some people are more talented with technical and understand more quickly or some some stuff and other need more time uh, but basically I think it's not really so complicated we have a lot of uh, help in the application with these pop-ups which are explaining their background why you should do that and, and so on uh, it's a little bit of small issues for people who are very used to centralized exchanges they have a certain mindset in their head and expectations then they come to BISC and it's a different model for people who are used to local Bitcoin or other markets or over-the-counter trading right. uh, systems 
it's more similar to this. So it's not there. Uh, yeah, you there's no offer matching. You are not taking it from the exchange. You are really trading with another peer. So it's a different model, and you have to learn this a little bit and get used to this. But I think it's really it's really not difficult, and you can make very small trades just to try it out. There's not big risk, and the worst thing is that you don't like it and you don't not uh, you don't come back. The trading fees are very uh, low. The trading fees are even lower when you are a maker and you uh, make an offer with a very good price, which is close to the market price. Then the trading fee get to a very minimum, which is something like twenty dollar cent or so. So when you just want to try it out, make an offer with a very good price, then usually it gets taken very quickly. You nearly pay no trading fee and transaction fees on Bitcoin are also very low at the moment, luckily. And or I think yeah, and then it's much easier after the first time you have more confidence to the system, you understand it much better. Do you and think how how simple do you think this can get? Could it could it eventually get as simple as a shape shape shift or morph token? Um, where like where maybe it integrates through an API with with a with a you know an existing uh, some existing wallet, so it just feels like you're um, moving in from one currency to the other, but kind of all of this is happening automatically on the back yeah. end. Will will it ever reach that point? Uh, <clears throat> with the current trade protocol, it might be difficult because there, for instance, is time for waiting for the blockchain confirmation. Uh, but with this new plans for this off-chain trade protocol, <clears throat> there is no need for any cryptocurrency any uh, anymore in this model. Uh, it works basically that both are setting up a security bond, which is in BSQ. And uh, with this amount, in, inside of this amount of the bond, they can trade. And when they would violate the trade protocol, they will risk that this uh, bond get burned or get destroyed. And by that, you can trade dollar to fiat uh, to to euro. You can trade apple to banana because in the trade protocol, there yeah, there is no blockchain. There is no the trade protocol is then completely flexible. And then you can use Lightning, and we can implement much more uh, user friendly interfaces where you can super fast. It depends only on the way how you send the money. So when you would have a Lightning transaction between Bitcoin and Litecoin, then the trade can be done in one second. Uh, with fiat, yeah, the banks are slow and complicate. With other altcoins, you usually have then the blockchain confirmation on the altcoin side. But uh, we are much more flexible then. But a little bit too early to get too deep into this. It's just in the in the early days of the concept development for this. But I think that will be a very interesting uh, solution when we get there. <clears throat> And also with the current one, we are working on a redesign uh, with the next release in about uh, one or two weeks. We have a big relaunch of our design. We get a really cool uh, new design and a, a little bit of different logo as well. And uh, we are working, uh, I mean, with this release, there is basically not much usability changes, but uh, after this, we will um focus a lot to improve usability where we see okay here are some hiccups in the ui people get confused uh, to try to polish this to make it easier and yeah and could it, and, could it eventually be to the point where it's integrated into other things for example like uh you know one of the ios apps like the cake wallet or the my monero uh where bisc is integrated into one of those so it's you're not even downloading the application it's within your wallet. Is that something that? Uh, could be... 
Uh, so uh, with the yes. APIs, there will be much more possibilities, and and then there is also open door for centralized services which want to use BISC as a kind of like a backend, mm -hmm. and that's nothing what we actively will support because basically against the the values and the ethic uh, ethos of BISC, uh, because then you come back to the model that you have to trust or this web page that they're not running away with your wallet and whatever. Mm -hmm. But because it's possible and with the API, it will become possible. At some point, people will do it when it's profitable for them. Mm -hmm. So we cannot avoid it either. So that's probably one avenue where people who prefer privacy, uh, um, convenience over privacy and over security, that they are moving more in this direction. BISC is still benefiting because those uh, projects will bring volume to BISC and help then the other users who are uh, still using the core application. So it's not, we are not terribly against this. It's just not that we will not actively push this because, yeah, uh, it's not what, what we are up for. And I mean, maybe we find some, some solutions like, yeah, there will be this. Uh, um, BISC wallet, uh, which at the end will be a fully featured or uh, implementation of the of the current uh, BISC application, as not wallet, BISC application, mobile application. So you can do the full trade or over mm -hmm. mobile. You just will either you have or on your home computer running BISC or you have it somewhere in the cloud. You need somewhere this kind of server because there are no servers in BISC. So you have to be the server. And there could be also some services that some people are offering in a more or less trustless and secure way, such services. So you pay $2 a month and you get this hosted by somebody when you're not so technically to do this yourself. So there will be some development in this direction, but it's a little bit early days still. At the moment, our main focus is more the yeah this cypherpunk or user group because for them it's uh, for us it's easier to reach them because we don't need a lot of effort to convince them. They take or uh, yeah they don't have so much problem usually that uh, it's a little bit uh, less convenient like centralized exchanges and uh, and they help a lot to uh, to spread the word because they are really then convinced or. Uh, from the project by its values and we don't have a marketing budget and we don't want to do classical marketing or mm -hmm. PR when we would like to go in direction more mainstream users it will be very hard for us to reach those users to convince them and I think maybe in maybe one or two years we will be more ready to go a little bit more in this direction probably there will be always some limitations because I think you never get everything uh, like yeah. So are a lot of you guys Monero enthusiasts? The, the guys I behind think there is a big overlap. I mean, base. I mean, most developers they have their preferences and and cannot hold it back too much. Basically, we try to be more or less neutral with altcoins. We don't have time also to investigate in all the new altcoins which are popping up every day, and right. that can be very interesting. So I mean, many Bitcoiners are very so Bitcoin maximalists and say everything else is bullshit. Besides maybe Monero and one or two others. I'm not so extreme, I respect a lot. And even those who are basically wrong or make a lot of mistakes, they help us to learn from them. So when they get attacked uh, and, and, and blow up, then they show us how to not do it. So I think uh, it's basically good that we have a, a huge diversity. And I mean, Monero for sure is, for me, it's nearly more important like Bitcoin because it really solves the privacy problems. Bitcoin has a big privacy problems, hopefully. Will get solved over time, but uh, it's very slowly, and it's hard to it's harder to move because it's much bigger already. 
And, uh, but yeah, for me, Monero is basically very, yeah, it has a huge overlap with, with, uh, with BISC, maybe even more like with classical Bitcoiners. But usually, I mean, the Bitcoin, are, yeah, the cypherpunks, this uh, Bitcoin maximalists, they also have usually a very strong overlap with our intentions and values. Who are the guys behind? How many guys are working on BISC? Like, how many are there? Is there kind of a core team? And then, I mean, I know it's an open source project. So, are there a lot of developers that are contributing? Yeah, we're growing uh, quite uh, good as well. Um, At the moment, I think there are around uh, three, four, yeah, four or five more or less full time developers. They're not always working full time because they are for some personal reasons or so. But basically, they are committed for working full time. There are at the moment three or four more who are in their entry phase, who are either have already started to uh, to to learn about the system and start to uh, to work on it, or are just uh, uh, still in the considering phase and need to learn a little bit more to get convinced mm-hmm. to really work on it. And with the BISC DAO, I mean. <clears throat> So far, nobody got paid in BISC. I mean, beside the arbitrators, they're the only one who are receiving the trading fees. And because the arbitrators are co-founders, it's aligned. Uh, and they, of course, they have a work. I mean, it's it's not a fun work to be every day online and, and resolve these disputes, basically customer care work. And I did it the first one and a half year, and I was happy to stop to do it because <laughs> the funniest thing. Uh, when is that going to uh, transition to where you have you know outsiders kind of partaking as arbitrators? Yeah, it's actually we want to get rid of this arbitration system because that's very problematic <clears throat> uh, because of this third key. So he is a part of the escrow and he has yeah, it has security risk, legal no, risk. But to the point where even if even if you don't get rid of arbitrators tomorrow, like you said, I mean it's taking up your time, right? The time of the developers or this so is are you guys gonna try to bring in more people from the community to then act as the mm-hmm. arbitrators or how do you no, plan on so, scaling that up in the meantime before you come up with this alternative solution? I think we will stick with this the next half year until we have a new solution, which will be either their off-chain trade protocol, which also don't have arbitrators, then uh, there's only, me- we call it the mediators, they are only like customer care agents, basically. Mm-hmm. They help you when there are problems, but they don't have a key. So there is no security risk, and there is no trust risk, and, uh, and no centralization risk, and no legal risk. <clears throat> and uh, and you can manage such, such a customer care system much more flexibly, because when an arbitrator at the moment, when he gets sick, uh, he cannot hand over the case to a deputy because he can, don't want to get hand over the Bitcoin and the Onion key for uh, for the communication. So uh, basically, we only can delay it, and it's it's a little bit. Yeah, it has quite a few problems. Mm-hmm. And um, so basically, I'm pretty convinced that the path forward is to just get rid of it. And until we get rid of it, we probably stick like it is because it's yeah, it, it would carry too much secure. Maybe we extend it that they're more trusted people who become arbitrator in the next months but we cannot really distribute it to a wider group because it's a security risk they could collude and are then yeah they create a huge damage for bisc and it's not uh, so this 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 coin itself or the dow has just is just being released now yeah so we with this next release on um, probably one or two weeks we are releasing the bisc dow on testnet <clears throat> Then people can play around and can get familiar with it, and then uh, 
hopefully end of the year, or it depends how long we need for fine tuning and for testing and bug fixing, uh, we would release on mainnet. And I mean, the main, the main concept of BizDAO is for those people who have, or maybe I, I explained also the concept of decentralized autonomous organizations a little bit. Uh, it's basically just the idea that there is a organization which is yeah, decentralized and which works in an autonomous way. There are no legal entities, there are no bosses. Bitcoin itself can be seen as such a DAO in a way. Uh, and the BISC DAO is a little bit more concrete because we are implementing with this color coin. We have implemented some special features which are using the blockchain and the peer-to-peer -peer network and cryptography to make it secure and uh, trustlessness and decentralized. That's mainly uh, voting and compensation requests. So uh, contributors who are working on BISC, like developers or anybody who adds some value, like making a video or for explaining BISC or whatever adds value to the project, they can make a request for compensation for their amount which yeah, which they think it's a fair market value of that what they have uh, delivered, <coughs> um, and then uh, at the end, so we have some monthly cycles. We are running this since a year already, <coughs> and at the end of the month, yeah, the contributors are making their request, and uh, then there is a voting phase <coughs> where every BSQ stakeholder uh, can vote on such requests. They can accept it or decline it. And when after the voting phase, uh, it has your request has been accepted by the majority, then you have created your own this amount of BSQ. And this process is quite interesting because it's a decentralized issuance model. Uh, and it's a little bit like a Bitcoin miner. There is nobody who clicks, uh, who presses a button who says now the miner gets the, uh, the block reward. Uh, it's that the miner has the authority to create new Bitcoin when he finds the block. <clears throat> so when he fulfills a certain uh, requirement, then the network accept this as new money. And here it's similar, when uh, the contributor get voted okay, then the network uh, interprets a special Bitcoin transaction where you are using a tiny amount of Bitcoin for funding your BSQ, which will be a much higher amount uh, in, the, in the dollar terms, uh, that this uh, transaction is now a kind of like a small Genesis transaction where you have created new BSQ for yourself. And only when you got voted okay, that is valid. Otherwise it's just simple uh, Bitcoin, it's not BSQ. And is it, so why not just fund it all off of the transaction fees, the uh, exchange fees? I mean, if you yeah. look at a centralized exchange, I mean, they have, you know, their, their, their money, their revenue coming in, which is basically, uh, you know, exchange fees. And then they use that to, to run the business essentially, right? I mean, <laughs> other revenue models as well, but so that, that it's in itself can't support the, uh, development and it's, no, uh, we're already getting very close as I think this month, probably we have around 25,000 revenue with trading fees in dollar <clears throat> and the usual costs, what we are issuing every month on contributors around 50,000. So we have already on the halfways when it goes on with Monero, like the last two months in one or two months, we are break even. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> That's not the problem. It, the problem is that you cannot do it in a decentralized way uh, because you cannot distribute this trading fee uh, to many different people. <clears throat> then it's a question how, <clears throat> how much of the percentage of the fee uh, one should receive. So who makes this decision? 
and I was uh, working on in earlier model, uh, yeah, in earlier ideas about the DAO in more simple models where you use a foundation in Switzerland, and then the foundation is getting the funds and doing the payout, and it would have worked in a way. But then it's much more closer to a normal mm -hmm. company model, and instead of a company, you have a foundation, and it adds at the end centralization risk and uh, censorship resistant risk. And you're yeah you're tied to the legal system, so we want well because we like the, to the, the, are you familiar with the Monero uh, forum funding system? A little bit, yeah. I think yeah that's not so bad, but uh, I don't know exactly how the voting or the decision making works if they are using really something secure like uh, blockchain based voting or if it's just kind of like our uh, upvotes on a forum or something yeah, like this. Yeah. Okay. So you're uh, saying see, that's, see, that's it, not sustainable, uh, a method like that? Yeah, I think it can work, and it's for sure a good approach to have something simple which works good enough, but uh, you cannot really scale up, and especially it's not really censorship resistant, because when it would be on the forum, when yeah, when some governments would start to make pressure on BISC and try to shut it down, they will find all these centralized choke points and put the pressure on this, and yeah, and... So you have you have the money you have the money coming in from the transaction fees, um, and now you're creating bis essentially bis coin on top of uh, the Bitcoin that's being funded by these transaction fees. Is that fair? Uh, to say? No, it's a little bit different. Also, uh, Are there is 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 there more coins and value in bis coin than the revenue that's coming in from the transaction fees? Uh, I have to explain a little bit more. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the BSQ token is a color coin. So it's technically it's Bitcoin, but it's a very tiny amount of Satoshi, which mm -hmm. represents one BSQ. And it's in fact, it's 100 Satoshis, one BSQ. And one BSQ will have a value, I don't know, between $1 and $10 maybe. <clears throat> At the moment, we just say it's $1 because nobody knows what will be the market value. Uh, but it depends when it's traded and uh, we will find what the real market value is. <clears throat> and this 100 Satoshi is much, much less like $1. It's something like uh, 0.01 cent or so. So to create, <clears throat> to fund or to create uh, uh, such a color coin, it costs you a little bit of Bitcoin. But this amount is much less like the, the, the amount what you created. A little bit like with fiat, when you print a dollar note, it has some printing costs. The paper has some costs. But yeah, I don't know. A dollar note costs maybe five cent. Mm -hmm. But a mm -hmm. uh, dollar is much more like the five cent what it costs in, in paper. Mm -hmm. And we start with a Genesis uh, distribution. That's very common model in color coins. And uh, there we are taking two and a half Bitcoin from our donation address, where we received something like 20, 25 Bitcoin over time. And we are, and that's the input, the technical input. And we are distributing this uh, two and a half Bitcoin uh, as two and a half million uh, BSQ, uh, because technically it's then two and a half million BSQ. And we are distributing this uh, to all their past uh, contributors who have contributed to the project over the last year and in the first years uh, and they will become the initial stakeholders so how are you deciding you work, uh, like how much who gets how much is that based on anything uh, so the first done uh, we, yeah we wanted to start this already a year ago and we did already a distribution on the testnet to have it basically or uh, yeah somewhere uh, 
visible. <clears throat> and in, in this time, uh, we didn't have this voting process and so on. So I asked basically everybody who has contributed, who are new, and then also the community, uh, people who have been active uh, yeah, on the forums and on, on PR and uh, traders <clears throat> to make a compensation request and uh, to make basically to ask me what they would like to get for their compensation. And then I summed it up. <clears throat> I adjusted it with some requests very few were a little bit crazy other were too low and i adjusted it up that there was more so i was basically i mean i'm the main developer and the founder so i had basically the authority to make the distribution like i found it was fair and we will still use this when we do the real launch on mainnet but additionally we yeah we have started then last august or september we have started this voting cycles where there uh, current contributors make every month their contribution request where they say I want to have whatever 8,000 BSQ because I worked on this and I'm used to get paid $8,000 uh, when I'm a developer so that's the same amount what I would like in, in BISC and we are summing up this from the last year from all the contributors I think it's probably roughly half a million BSQ or a little bit more maybe uh, so that will be added we are bringing it down to two and a half we make basically a redistribution of this initial Genesis uh, distribution and so with this we start and then after the Genesis distribution every month every contribute the request at the end of the month says the voting and then every uh, contributor will issue a small amount of BSQ what he requested and there so every month we create new BSQ we have a deflationary uh, sorry inflationary pressure here so are uh, yeah we are create printing more and more money and on the other side the trading fees and uh, that what you have seen in the application where i saw where i told you just ignore this um in future when the dao is out uh, the users can choose to pay the trading fee in bitcoin or in bsq and when they choose to uh, use bsq they get a big discount something like 90 percent cheaper where are they so, getting bsq from though uh, they can buy it over BISC then, because they have to buy some BSQ on the market, and with that, they are creating the demands, and that's the basic idea. That so that's the where the value of, of the value of BISC is going to come from the community exactly. that's purchasing BISC. Exactly. The, the main idea is that the users who are uh, consuming the service, the project, mm. are there giving some money they are distributing the value they are uh, what they are consuming to the people who are building it who are working on it mm -hmm. and that happens over this model that they are burning actually this bsq so they are buying some bsq on the market using it for trading fee uh, by <coughs> using it for trading fee those bsq get burned technically they get uncolored so they are bitcoin again and used for minor fee but they are destroyed as psq and here we have a deflationary pressure so there are less and less psq the more traders we get the yeah the less psq will be in in their supply and with that every psq token will have more value when there are uh, not yeah when there are less uh, in supply and and the contributors can sell their psq what they have issued what they have earned on the market and their users <coughs> uh, can be the potential buyers so that's basically an economic cycle mm -hmm. and <coughs> with the special features and that's the reason why we needed to implement our own color coin and couldn't use bitcoin or any other existing altcoin i mean it could have worked probably with ethereum or whatever but we didn't want to get the dependency on another project and secure ethereum has a lot of uh, issues with security and scalability 
<clears throat> so we we implemented our own color coin system where we have all these features like that you can burn BSQ, that you can make the, bond, uh, the bonding, which we are using, for instance, then for arbitrators, that arbitrators need to set up a lot of bond to add more security that they cannot uh, scam. <clears throat> and also for this off-chain trade protocol, the bond will be the central element that both traders will set up a bond. And with that, it's a little bit like with Lightning Channel. They're opening basically a channel, and then they can, in Lightning, uh, you once open a channel, and then you can send Bitcoin back and forth over years. You don't have to uh, uh, renew the channel when you stay in between of this uh, amount of the channel. And with this off-chain trade protocol, you are setting up a bond. And when the bond is big enough, like something like $10,000 in BSQ, then you could trade in parallel up to $10,000 and you don't need to renew this transaction yeah, uh, until you're reaching the, the limit and you want to trade more. And mm -hmm. that makes it then very flexible and removes all the problems with transaction fees. When transaction fees become very expensive, the current model doesn't really, is not future-proof because you don't want to trade when you pay $50 on transaction fees, minor fees. And <clears throat> With such an off-chain trade protocol, you can find a way to transfer your coin or your fiat in a way which is cheap enough for you. You're not you're decoupled from the trade protocol. Mm -hmm. Now, it being open source, if if people don't like the uh, the model with the coin with the BIS coins, do you think somebody could just fork it and create their own? Is that a potential issue there, or it it, it won't work yeah, without no. without the coins? Also, they can, nobody's forced to use this coin. They still can use the Bitcoin and pay a higher trading fee, and that's mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. So nobody, we don't force people into the system when they don't want to use it, no problem. Uh, and yeah, it's open source, and anybody can fork it, but I know from myself how much effort, how difficult it is to run such a project, how oh, difficult yeah. it is to bootstrap a market, so I'm not really scared of this. <laughs> and it says insurance, it's, it's a very important part of the whole concept and system because it's insurance so when we do something really stupid like ethereum has done with the hard fork when they bailed out the dow <clears throat> that was a very stupid decision at the end and they have created a lot of damage and have created uh, at the end the reason for ethereum classic that the fork was successful otherwise the fork would not have gone anywhere because nobody would have really supported it mm -hmm. and here it's the same when bisque at some point or do really stupid decisions then it's probably good that there is the option that people can fork it and can make an alternative. Mm -hmm. And it keeps us also, yeah, we always have to think of this, that when we are doing risky decisions and not really thinking on the user perspective, how it is for the user, we are risking such a fork. So we have to be much more careful when it would mm -hmm. be more a closed system where we don't have this risk. How did the develop, development get as far as it's gotten without Bitcoin? So it was just basically through donations and the idea that people were working under the intention that one day uh, you guys would come up with this model and they would be repaid under it? Yeah, so so far, uh, nobody, I mean, sometimes I paid from my own pocket some developers when I really wanted to get stuff, but it was always limited. I'm not rich as well. <clears throat> And I never took investor money. I didn't want to go the investor route. So this idea for the DAO was there from the very beginning. It was just not clear and mm -hmm. never had time to really build it before. And uh, so far, most contributors are more altruistically motivated. 
And of course, since the DAO is more concrete, they have at least the promise that what they are working get compensated someday when the DAO goes live. But it's also clear for everybody, as long as it's not live, this promise is just a promise. There's mm -hmm. no contract. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, and when the DAO goes live and the money is real and what you can earn, you can sell that directly on the market and can convert it to Bitcoin and to dollar, then uh, hopefully it's also easy to find more developers because at the moment it's still hard <coughs> to find uh, yeah, there are not too many people who can afford it to live without the fixed income and to take the risk and there are so many projects in the blockchain space uh, so many companies looking for developers there are a huge demand on good developers and you get paid a lot uh, and many very interesting projects as well so it's a high competition to get good developers and with the DAO, hopefully that becomes easier to find more developers. But I mean, we're pretty good at the moment. So we have quite a few very high-skilled developers in the pipeline who will hopefully join soon. And I think when all those join who I have in mind, then we have a pretty strong and mm -hmm. good team and we're basically good. That's great. Uh, yeah, no, it's exciting. I mean, you guys are hopefully, what it seems like is building a real you know backbone that we, that we need in this uh, you know, decentralized universe here that we're all building together. The funny thing is that nearly nobody knows that Satoshi himself has built in a marketplace in the first version of Bitcoin. It was the pre-release version of the one which got released, so he removed it then in the last minute. It was not really finished. It was just a stop off, but it was a clear idea. It was probably more in like direction like open bazaar, so market, mm -hmm. not a direct currency exchange, more a marketplace, but of course there yeah, you can exchange currencies as well. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah, it has shown that he was very aware that it's really important to have not only the currency level, but uh, yeah, to have the, this other layer where you can use the currency for buying stuff or for exchanging it to other currencies. And he has, uh, has taken it so serious that he built it in in the, in the reference client. So, uh, and it's really yeah, it's, after nearly 10 years now, we st there was not much going on in this direction. And the main problem is probably that it was just much easier to get funding for a block explorer, like to build a decentralized exchange because yeah, it's open source. It's a, it doesn't fit so well in the classical uh, capitalist funding models of startups and investors and so on. And mm -hmm. yeah, and there are not so many people who, and it's also, I mean, <clears throat> such a big project it has a lot of different difficult areas like creating a ui supporting it with support yeah with user support creating a community creating a market it's not only coding i mean there are many hackers and and very sophisticated developers who love to hack crazy ideas and implement a kind of like a prototype and this prototype is never really usable because it has no ui and uh, and yeah there's no project around and all the infrastructure is missing and so on but they are not the persons who want to do this extra work, which is often not fun. Then you have bug fixing and re yeah, it's a lot of work, which is not fun at all. And we're usually it's only done by companies who get uh, yeah, who earn money and that's why they're doing it. And that's probably one of the reasons why there was not much developing development in this direction. Mm -hmm. And now with all, you know, the regulations starting to really uh, pop up and, you know, affect these other methods that are current centralized methods that are currently being used. People are really seeing the need for a decentralized version. Yeah, and that's probably the other <coughs> reason why there was not more in this direction. Because when you go the normal classical way with a company investors, 
the investors will make you the pressure someday when they need yeah when the pressure comes for kyc like we have seen mm -hmm. it with shapeshift and local bitcoin and it's just a question at the point when you become relevant and bigger they apply the pressure and when you have investors they will forward the pressure they want to make money mm -hmm. and they will not uh, stick to the cypherpunk ideas uh how about these other things that are calling themselves decentralized exchanges? What are they in comparison to you guys? I, as I don't have the time to really investigate and follow them very closely. The only one which is very close to BISC is OpenBazaar, basically. But they have investors in our company, so that's I think they're Achilles' uh, wheel. And I mean, yeah, with the block size debate and what, with, yeah, they moved quite far away now, or. They moved away from the core Bitcoin community, and so and I think they lost quite a lot of supporters from the early days. But anyway, I think from the concept, uh, it's very close. Uh, I'm also not following so closely that I don't know any details. Uh, beside this, there is uh, yeah, there are many projects which are only altcoin or even only token exchanges where you can only uh, exchange or Ethereum tokens or BitShares or whatever. <coughs> Uh, I have not looked close into this. It's probably they are probably okay because I mean a pure token exchange is probably as that's the easiest thing to do. The next hardest thing is to make it cross chain that between different altcoins to have it decentralized, and the hardest is to make it with fiat. And for me, the fiat part was always the 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 miss the really important thing. Also, I I see we I think we will see at some point really fully decentralized, fully trustless, and automated. Our token and altcoin exchanges that's technically not the biggest challenge i'm not sure how much they're at least the most successful one like this t0x how it's called on ethereum i think most of them they are not very decentralized when you look a little bit closer uh, maybe yeah uh, and but I, I cannot make too much statements here because i didn't have really looked closer into it but there have been quite a few articles a while ago that you know coindesk an article <laughs> where the journalist has investigated a lot of them and basically come to the conclusion that none of them is really decentralized when you look closer. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's it's not a black and white with decentralization. And <clears throat> uh, in Bitcoin, yeah, you have the problem with mining centralization and so on. And some people say that uh, yeah, Bitcoin is not really decentralized because of this. And other people have arguments against this. And in Bitcoin, in BISC itself, as I said, I mean, currently the arbitration system is our weakest point. That's not fully decentralized because of the security problems. And security is more important, or we cannot make compromises there and risk that people lose their money or that BISC lose their reputation when people get scammed. So, but we are on the way to fix this. So, our goal is to be really fully decentralized, uh, but it's a difficult challenge. It takes time to get there. And from my overview of, of the market, on the fiat side, I think we're the only one beside Open Bazaar, which started a little bit also with uh, with Alcoin over fiat trade, but I don't think that there is a real market there. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and with uh, Alcoin exchanges, there are probably others, and probably you have to look closely how when there is a company behind it. For me, already not decentralized. It's, I mean, for me, the, a good measurement how how decentralized a project is to ask how many doors you have to knock to shut down the project. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in Biscuits also, are, yeah, when they knock my door and I get kicked out, Biscuit is in, a, in the trouble, but it probably will not die. I think it's already in the level that it can continue with the other contributors. And many contributors are anonymous, then it will be hard to find the doors. Mm. So 
but it's still not there like where we want to go. That there's basically hundred doors like in Bitcoin. Yeah, when they try to make pressure on Greg Maxwell, it will not have any effect on Bitcoin. Hopefully, mm-hmm. I mean it will have effect when Greg Maxwell will not work anymore. But it's not uh, <laughs> a disaster. It will not stop Bitcoin. And with a company, I mean this question is very simple answered. So when they get their letter and get pressure they will do what's mm-hmm. required otherwise they have to shut down the company there are very very few companies who go the way there was one email pr- uh, service anonymous email service in america a few years ago who who stopped their business when they got the pressure and that's a completely exception usually the company just go on and change their their strategies and and yeah hmm. all right well i i encourage anybody that's you know that sees this video that's uh interested to you know to to dig deeper um get involved uh maybe download the client i haven't done it yet myself i will uh test it out um because i i think you know if any if any community should be uh supporting bisque it's the monero community uh obviously you're seeing that with the whatever it is the 98 percent transaction volume coming you know uh being from monero uh because of you know um, our anonymous nature and the potential for us to be you know a target of regulation, and you know something like BISC and potentially other decentralized exchange solutions, uh, really being what we would eventually have to rely on to uh, keep Monero going. Um, so yeah, full support. I wish you the best of luck. And what else? If people do want to get involved on a deeper level. Um, other than programming, um, I think I had even heard you mention yesterday, you know, if somebody wanted to make a, a how-to video or whatever it is, how, how could people, I know the BIS token hasn't been launched yet, but how could people start to get involved and start to maybe kind of start working for BISC? Uh, yeah, I mean, there are many areas, <clears throat> basically anything uh, what adds value to the project is up to compensation. There can be that somebody writes a song and the song is great. And yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, not limited to that ideas what we have, but our usual stuff is like translations. <clears throat> there we have already quite the, uh, maybe too much already because it doesn't help us when we get a, a exotic language translated and there is no market and there are no community locally who is bootstrapping BISC, that's the hardest part. And actually that's maybe the most important that we get local communities in countries uh, like Latin America or in Asia, uh, in India, uh, who are starting using BISC, who are promoting it, who are explaining it at meetups to do, uh, we don't want to do like professional uh, promotion with advertising and paid marketing or whatever, that's completely against our ethics. Uh, We want people who are really convinced and uh, spread the word and then who have reputation already in community and uh, help BISC to grow. And whatever they do, whatever effort they're investing, they're up for compensation requests. Yeah, producing videos. Uh, so how do they actually do, how do they get in touch with you or BISC to kind of submit these ideas and uh, for, for compensation requests? Yeah, the best is to join our forum or Slack or GitHub uh, and just get in touch with the community there. Uh, talk with them. The compensation request is quite easy. There is a GitHub uh, repository where you file an issue, you create an issue, and there you 
its instruction and all described in our document page as so a docs.bisc.network. There is a lot of documentation about all kinds of stuff, uh, especially like that, and the DAO also more background about the DAO. And you basically say, okay, I made this video, here's the link to the video. I want to have whatever this amount of BSQ, which is basically the same like dollar at the moment is one dollar is one BSQ because nobody knows how much it will be, but we need to have a consensus. Uh, and it's based, so the reason why we say one dollar is one BSQ is that yeah, we are starting with two and a half million BSQ or as the genesis for the project. So we say the initial value of the project is two and a half million dollar. I think that's quite understatement when you look at many other projects who got uh, investor money, they are evaluated to much, much more. Uh, so probably a real price might be more, but that's up to the market and later. But below $1 is probably unrealistic when we're not completely failing and communicating the idea of the DAO. Uh, and, but at the moment, before the DAO is out, basically it's $1. <coughs> That adds a lot of opportunity because when the role value will be ten dollar, then yeah, you have got paid ten times more in three months when the DAO is out. But of course, nobody knows. It can be also fifty cent. And uh, there's actually one interesting stuff that I forgot to mention. I, I we discussed it yesterday, but the people who have not seen the yesterday's video on our growth call uh, regarding this request for making a Monero base currency, which is probably not very realistic short term. Mm -hmm. We have another more short term uh, uh, proposal what we would like to get implemented that this uh, Monero wallet integration so that you can uh, send and receive your Monero directly in BISC. Mm -hmm. And the easiest way would be that you run Monero daemon in background and we are RPC, you're communicating with this Monero daemon. Or maybe there are other ways, I'm not expert on the Monero wallet uh, landscape. Uh, but it would not be a, for an uh, experienced Monero developer who knows the, the Monero side well and who has a little bit of experience with Java. It should be not really a lot of effort. I think it can be done in a few weeks or months or one month or so. And that would be definitely a very useful feature which would help not only the convenience for using Monero on BISC, but also for enabling automated trades later with the APIs. You can make them script. Yeah, you can write script and do uh, write uh, trading bots and make the whole trade automated. You don't need to click the button anymore and and check the blockchain when the transaction has been confirmed and such stuff. That can be then all done automated, which will be then a huge boost for those market uh, traders who are more market makers and professional traders. So any developer at the moment we don't have resources for working on this, but any developer is super welcome uh, with background with Monero and it would be good when he has also a little bit knowledge with Java. It's not very challenging to implement this, but uh, yeah, everybody's welcome. All right. I think that, that was great. Thank you uh, for running us through it, showing us the application and uh, answering all our questions. Yes, thanks for having me on your show. It was a great conversation, and I hope I made it a little bit more clear. Unfortunately, I'm not the best person with explaining complex stuff to audience. There are better ones. That's also what we're looking for, more people who will help us to translate these uh, concepts, which are often very technical, uh, to, yeah, to a broader audience, to bring it in an easier language. Yeah, and, no, I think it's a great uh, opportunity for a lot of people who aren't necessarily uh, developers that always are looking to try to get more involved in projects, especially Monero. And I kind of see uh, it getting involved in BIS uh, very much directly uh, will help 
the Monero ecosystem. So like I said, I encourage anybody that's uh, thinking about it to to take action, try to get involved. And it seems like there's kind of a lot of low-hanging fruit in terms of things that can be done to help you guys out. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's a lot of synergy and yeah, I'm really happy that that it, it develops so well with the Monero community. There's a strong disk supporter and uh, would be happy to get to give more back by, yeah, by adding more support for Monero also, like with this wallet, or maybe their uh, Monero space, or to make Monero to fiat exchange possible, that's definitely a goal. But as said, probably it's much easier to do it with this off-chain trade protocol, because then there is no base currency anymore, and there's much less effort to implement this. And it's probably better to make this leap directly to this new trade protocol instead, mm -hmm. wasting a lot of en energy in yeah, applying it complicated in the current system and then throw it away. That's probably not the best investment. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you taking your time. Uh, sorry you. for the time zone confusion. And, yeah, it was uh, my mistake. If I was, uh... <laughs> hopefully, uh, you know, we'll, we'll stay. I hope to stay in touch and uh, have you on the show again, hopefully soon with some, some more progress. It seems I'm sure there'll be uh, plenty of growth coming down the pipe. Yes, thanks a lot. Uh, stay tuned for the next release. That will be a major release yeah, with the redesign and with the DAO and maybe also the APIs. I'm still not sure if we can make it, but that will be released also soon. And uh, yeah, All right. thanks for your time and uh, it was a pleasure. Best of luck. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye.